And now, it's time for Miss Weed Wiki Speaks. with my guest, Tiffany Watkins, who is founder of Vanguard Magazine, a publication that celebrates women in cannabis. It's a tremendous pleasure to meet with you today, Tiffany. Could you please tell our listeners where you're joining us from? Sure. I am joining you from the lovely state of Washington. How is the weather in Washington state today? It is wet. No, we've got a little bit of sun and that's so lovely, um, but it is usually pretty wet. So I'm thankful for the sunlight I'm getting. I hear that. You got to take your blessings where they come for sure. My, my listeners and I would love to know more about your journey, your cannabis journey. So could you tell us when your love for cannabis started? Um, My love for cannabis began, mm, gosh, almost 30 years ago, maybe 31 or 32, uh, if I'm truly honest. Uh, It came in the form of just exploration and wanting to know more about it. I mean, sure, you know, you're maybe at a concert or something like that and someone passes a joint around and you try it. And that's probably how it began. Um, but I soon learned that there was a lot more than what my conservative background parents and otherwise were telling me about this demonized drug. It just didn't seem like that when I first tried it. I wasn't immediately hooked and it wasn't so scary, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where it really began is in the understanding that it had a, a an efficacy that people didn't openly talk about. So I just kind of built upon that as we moved forward. I mean, the passion for me for cannabis runs incredibly deep and always will. I hear that. And I hear, I hear it in your voice and I see it in your work. So I'm really glad we get to learn more about that from you today. Could you describe for us some of the barriers or obstacles you've had to overcome to succeed in the cannabis industry? Um, Sure. I mean, there's there's a multitude of them and for, for a few reasons. Uh, in the beginning, working in and around and for cannabis was more of an advocacy effort than it was trying to build business because we were in the quote unquote business of getting cannabis directly to the people, the people who needed it, and then getting our voices in the ears of those who needed to hear it, that they could make the the changes in the laws that would allow us to more freely be able to get cannabis to those who needed it medically. Um, And so there were plenty of barriers there, whether it be from uh, the the police, you know, the law itself personified or um, from legislature, uh, you know, trying to get in front of people to talk about it. The And, and the time period where I began, the best and, and closest you could get was a march or standing on the steps of the Capitol, which I did several times, um, talking about cannabis, just trying to get someone to hear you. Um, so those are the original barriers. Then, you know, moving, you know, closer to today's cannabis, Um, the barriers are far and wide, whether it be um, race or um, gender 
or financial, these inequities are the biggest barriers that we have um, in entering a marketplace that is, you know, going to be worth multi-billions. And so, you know, um, I think that there's every step of the way there's, there's obstacles and barriers, but I do believe that the way of overcoming these things is through unity and understanding and the freedom of information. People can't turn a blind eye to those who have been disadvantaged by the very thing that they're profiting from, profiting from. And I think that that's uh, very important in diminishing these barriers that we talk about here. I completely agree. And I'm going to get into it more with you about cannabis amnesty and cannabis social equity. So I can't wait to touch on that. You've, have you always lived in Seattle? I have not. I have not. I actually have been in the Pacific Northwest for a little over a year, um, but I come from California. Okay. Okay. So you have at least two different jurisdictions to compare to. So what's the, what's the cannabis scene like in, in Washington state as compared to California? Um, As compared to California, slightly, I would say just slightly more conservative, which kind of blew me away. Um, when you go from, you know, you can go big cities and the, the vibe is a little different, Seattle, Tacoma area, um, you know, even in um, Spokane, but there's a little surrounding cities and then you get down closer to the Oregon border and you're in, you know, Vancouver and the difference between cannabis in Vancouver to cannabis in say Seattle is almost night and day. Um, whereas you have prevalence of dispensary, you know, right there in a strip mall, it's just, it's, it's just not as broad and open, say, as it is in Seattle. And then in California, we've got our, uh, you know, Northern, and Cal- Northern California and Southern California markets, right? And everything else that's in between. And there's this openness and this um, kind of culture that is uh, inclusive and um, mixed with art and mixed with music. And it's not that you don't get that in Washington. It's just there's a slight bit of conservatism there. And it's I, I, I enjoy it. I have to say that I enjoy all the markets that I've been in across the country. Um, but when the West side of the United States being my home, I would say that California is where I, I love. It's where I cut my teeth and I know that, but I don't, I don't not enjoy the Washington area. It's, it's just, it, it blew me back. Cause I thought, Oh, well, it's an older market. It's going to be so much more, you know, and it just wasn't. And um, you know, that's my opinion. I will say that that is my opinion of my view um, in the the time that I've been here, but even though it's different than what I expected, it's still lovely. Right. Okay. And you touched on your proximity to Oregon. Oregon mm-hmm. is really emerging, you know, in terms of a lot of the attention the cannabis industry in Oregon is has has started to catch a lot of people's eyes. How do you think Oregon's cannabis industry compares to Washington because it came later than Washington state. Right. Right. There's a little, uh, there's a, a slight divide there. And that comes again from it being a little bit more uh, conservative here in Washington than where I'm in Vancouver. So right across the freeway, we've got more of an openness when it comes to uh, the understanding and the want and need for plant um, medicine. Okay. And uh, and also fungal uh, psychedelics. You right. know, I think that people are more open to kind of accepting that lifestyle 
and making, well, I shouldn't say accepting the lifestyle, but making that lifestyle a part of their journey. Right. Right. In Oregon, in Oregon, there's a, there's an openness and a, a pathway that's that they are very much so taking advantage of. And I love it. Well, and we, we'd be uh, remiss if we didn't mention they did, you know, vote to, uh, I guess, legalize psychedelics, right? Yes. 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 And decriminalize all drugs. All drugs. Correct. So progressive. I love that. And I'd love to it see how, how that shakes out. And, and the other jurisdictions that watch it, you know, because there's going to be more to come. Definitely. Yes, very much so. And there should be. For our geographically challenged, um, and I'm not, and I'm saying that in a nice way. We don't all have a great sense of of direction of of our proximity to each other. How far are you from the Canadian border in, say, Vancouver, Canada? In Vancouver, um, I, it's hard for me to say in miles, but if I was to hop into my vehicle and start driving towards the border, I'd be in Canada in about four and a half, five hours. Wow. Okay. And so you, you visited there, I assume a lot, right? Vancouver, BC and the cannabis scene there as well. Uh, Yeah, I have been, I have been uh, several places in Canada. I certainly have over the, you know, over the years. Tell us what, what your impressions are, you know, from what you've seen the way Canadians are doing it, because we've been federally legal for almost two and a half years now. Definitely. And which is, which is wonderful. I think it's wonderful, but I do uh, see it um, as those who probably know both markets from state side and and Canadian side, that there is, um, that's not all stars in the eyes that um, with this federal legality comes a bit of government control over the product itself. And um, that works. And then on the other side doesn't work. And so there's, there's things to be learned probably from both countries' markets to find something that is beautiful in between. Um, but, you know, there's a little bit more freedom I get with, you know, this, it's seemingly like there's more freedom with cannabis in Canada, but with the bureaucracy that comes along with that freedom that is there in Canada, um, it kind of negates a little bit of it. And I think that more people on the United States side, um, you know, colloquially could understand that because there's those of us who play in the larger markets and, and things like that, that we understand. But to in, in layman's terms, you know, people say here, you can pop some, you know, some weed in the mail and send it over because it's federally legal. They think, yay, and not understanding that what comes along with that. So, yeah, I think there's the worldwide, there is more work to be done when it comes to this beautiful plant. You are absolutely right. Because while I'm proud in many respects that, you know, live in a G, the first G7 country to federally legalize adult use cannabis coast mm-hmm. to coast, I find it very embarrassing that the Canadian government didn't consider any social equity policies in their legislation. That means our government does zero to help the racialized communities most affected by unfair and racially motivated law enforcement practices. And it doesn't seem to be the case south of the border because where there are a dozen states, you know, with adult, you know, legalized adult use, cannabis is reported to at least have some sort of social equity programs in place in a lot of these jurisdictions. In your opinion, though, which jurisdiction appears to be doing it right or the most right? Because I know there's no perfection. That is really a difficult uh, question to answer straight on. 
So I will say that there are states doing it better. That's one. And there are states that have been doing it longer. And that makes a slight difference too. Um, I'll take the state of Arizona. Arizona just recently passed recreational usage. Along with that, social equity was written in. My opinion of that is that that is the way to go. Let's not open an AU state without understanding that a social equity format program, whatever you want to call it, needs to be in place. Um, And then we've had states, um, pardon me, that have made mistakes along the way with their applicants. They have a program, but it's being poorly utilized and um, in some ways unlawfully utilized. And so there's, you know, there's areas that need to be cleaned up. Overall, um, we, we need to have a unified voice wherever cannabis is active, whether that be in the United States, my country, or in Canada, your country. We need to have something in place that lets everybody, first of all, be knowledgeable about why social equity needs to exist because many people don't fight hard enough and speak up loud enough because they don't understand its impact. They don't understand that the war on drugs have disproportionately affected mass quantities of citizens of many areas, right? Yes. And whether I I call it the war on drugs, of course, because that's what it it, uh, is and was, but there's other things in place politically and all across the planet that disproportionately affect those of color. And so as long as those types of things exist, were listened to, are listened to, and are in place, then we need to have programs that can counteract the results of those types of laws. And so that is the importance and, and the urgency of social equity programs. And if you're not thinking in the way of having that attached to any legality of cannabis in your area, then you're not thinking of it properly. I agree. I agree. And look, and classic example being here, we went and did it without that. Um, you, could you correct me if I'm wrong? Did uh, Colorado have any social equity programs in place when they first had legalization? Um, and if, if memory serves, not exactly. Right. Okay. I didn't think so either. Yeah. Because I think they just did a revision right now for some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you make very amazing, like excellent points. I couldn't agree more. Changing the vein slightly. Is there any jurisdiction that you found women friendly? Or does even such a place exist? Um, yeah, you know, I don't want to say that there that there's a place that doesn't exist that way. I do believe that in every environment you're going to find where women thrive and women are held behind. But that's just not in cannabis. That's been kind of the the existence of women in in, in the United States. It's been, well, you know, it's sometimes. Uh, laws had to be put in place for us to have, you know, more power. And sometimes we've taken it upon ourselves to just harness power and utilize it. And I think that it's reflective in our cannabis uh, industry. Okay. Okay. And do you think it's something that more attention needs to be put in 
to that and looking at the leadership of women? Absolutely. Um, we, we definitely need to, which is the reason why I do what I do. Um, Vanguard stands as a movement to uh, push women, women forward and to, uh, for us to be listened to and to stand in the spotlight of our accomplishments and our passion and have it be listened to and noted because um, oftentimes, uh, you know, this cannabis community um, bridged into industry is shows us that it's very easy for the plant industry to become male dominated because we're watching it happen. And women are actively, we're not just asking and, and waiting. We're actively taking a stand to have our footprint right there next to our male counterparts in this industry. And so I think it's really important that we recognize uh, these um, inequalities in other industries in order to not make the same mistake or continue the same actions within cannabis. If we are going to build something new, then we need to build it correctly. Yep. And I love that your media company is dedicated to celebrating and amplifying women in cannabis. Could you tell me one area from your investigating that women are dominating in the cannabis industry, a particular area in there? Um, You know, I can't say that there's a particular area because in my research um, I have, and from the stories that I've, I've fielded and I get so many, um, they, they span so far and wide, but I will say that I have certainly seen an uptick in heavier research and development in the exposure research and outreach of cannabis, whether that be in marketing or in uh, research of facility, how does that work? Compliance and things that things that people wouldn't typically attribute to us as women. We are really digging in, seeing um, opportunities, future opportunities, seeing where it's going, knowing that we're going to have to have um, track and trace in place in all states. There are women out there really doing the research, building programs and teaching others now so that they can be successful in the future. I think that that is very noteworthy. Um, I'm also seeing an uptick in in women wanting to understand and know more about manufacturing operations and understanding good manufacturing practice. And um, so, you know, I think that that is really where we're going to uh, really start to surpass the men is in research and building and nurturing an environment for, for a better future in cannabis. I think that I really do see that on the horizon from my research and from the stories that I fielded and published. I, and I love that and contrast that I've had that conversation in a discussion forum recently. And from a Canadian perspective, while there's very limited uh, women representation in the C-level suites, they are definitely evident in quality assurance, operations, administration in, in Canadian cannabis um, corporate spaces. That's what right. I've been hearing. Yeah. And I want to be clear. It's important that we're everywhere. And, you know, there are many women, many that are in that C-suite. Should there be more? Absolutely. 
but we're getting it done in that area in that department. Yeah. And it's slowed for a while. And I think we're going to see another uptick over the next, you know, three to five years. But there's also that up and coming. And I never like to leave that behind because it is our backbone. So that's why I'm speaking up with these, these women that I'm noticing doing great amounts of research and paying great attention to uh, attention to detail when it comes to what the future of cannabis looks like. I think that's going to be our strong suit. It's going to be our, our real strength. What about those other... Um already established um, organizations in other industries, like women in leadership, are they looking at the cannabis industry and starting chapters within? Um, I would imagine some are. Um, I have run across uh, quite a few who are examining, well, you know, this is a new industry. Where can I lend my years of expertise and wisdom in this sector. And um, I would say that if I look into my little crystal ball, I would see that there could be definitely more women, um, you know, crossing over to the the cannabis realm to lend their uh, experience and knowledge. Absolutely. Me too. And I'm looking forward to that too. You're such a tireless and longtime cannabis activist. I would be honored if you could explain to our listeners the cannabis prohibition still going on and what we can do to help. Like I said earlier, there our work is not done. There is so much left. Um, we are, you know, a lot of people think that the, the road is, is shortened now because we have here in the United States, you know, so many states have come on board uh, recreationally, but we have to talk about social equity. We have to talk about other things at the, at the federal level, like um, safe banking and taxation and things like that, things that help us to continue to thrive in a market that's now going to be mainstream. We need to have access to certain things and that needs to look like something that's helpful because it can't just look like something that serves the government's interest only because this is a market that's built on serving people. And if we're not people first, when we even think about how we lay a law across an entire land, then it's not going to work. So I think that right now I would tell anyone to keep your ear to the ground on what's going on in the United States federally with cannabis and to use your voice. If it doesn't sound right to you and it doesn't seem like it serves your community and the businesses within your community, then you need to say something about it. You need to join coalitions that are helping embolden your voice and taking it right to <laughs> taking it right to DC to lobby for something better. And there are chapters all over the country that, that people can join into, listen, learn, talk, and do. They can make action out of these co- community conversations to have something better in the future federally um, that makes sense um, and serves people. And I'm glad you touched on the impact of the barriers at the federal level. Mm-hmm. Segwaying into my next question, which is how far do you think we are from federal legalization in the United States? Um, I think that we are further than it appears. Okay. I think that it looks like we're really close to it. But the reality of the situation is it's the, the things that are being spoken about right now um, need to be we need to solidify that we're serving the proper interests. 
and that it is something that every state, because we, we have different laws for cannabis from coast to coast in the United States. And to me, my opinion, how do you throw an exacting law, a static law over a dynamic environment beneath? How does that work? And better yet, what does that look like? And how do we make it speak to the communities that house businesses that need to thrive? Yeah. So I, I, I think we're a lot further away from it than we think, but my, my hope and in my heart is that we can do something quickly to bring us closer. Okay. And do you see that happening in the, in the next term, in the next presidential term? Hmm. That I don't know. You know, people ask that question and I know that people give these, these grand answers. Oh yes, I believe this. And, but I'm not that type of person. I will speak from myself, my experiences only and go, I firmly do not know because if history has shown us anything, people speak to the interests at hand at the time that it's at hand. And once it gets to the real point where we have to make decisions, then the stories change. And I'm just waiting to hear what I'm going to hear and continue to fight the way I know I'm going to fight for this plant and the communities around it. And I appreciate and thank you for your labor. We all do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's not just me. I'm one of, of millions of voices. I'm just one, but I will do my part. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. I would love our listeners to hear more about your 710 event. And what is 710, by the way, for the listeners who don't know? (laughs) Certainly. Um, 710, (laughs) that is, uh, if you flip that over, it looks like the word oil. So it's all about cannabis oils. Yes. And and things like, you know, and and derivatives like, you know, of course, shatter and and butter or batter, whichever it is that that you prefer and and resins and all these lovely things that you can put in a dab rig, right? Or you can put inside of a joint. And so for me, um, the 710 event um, is going to uh, pay homage to women who manufacture beautiful products and also uh, women who uh, help to build uh, the manufacturing facilities, making sure they're compliant. Uh, so we're going to be talking about a lot of good, uh, juicy stuff and having some fun. So it'll be the, a half and half, 50% serious, 50% fun. And I think we're going to have a really good time. I can't wait to check it out. Could you tell us what's next for Vanguard Media? Absolutely. Um, Vanguard, um, and this is coming up within the next few weeks, we are going to be launching our first merchandise line. And what's different, uh, because, you know, of course, Vanguard Media uh, Online is slightly a different approach to, uh, to media. Um, so I could not see anything less for our merchandise. The, the, the slightly different approach is that um, through selling the merchandise, um, not only going to be um, supporting the movement of Vanguard, but the platform is going to actually help bolster more businesses for women. And that'll be the little, that's the secret tidbit that you you guys will have to uh, wait to see more because seeing is believing um, and just uplifting more women in business, more women's products. Um, and uh, yeah, and just really pushing the movement forward because Vanguard Media Online is not just a magazine. It's not just an event platform. 
it's a movement for women in the cannabis space. And so with that, uh, we press forward on everything that, that we do. It's always about uplifting. It's not about advertising. It's not about those things. Anybody who's picked up a, a copy of Vanguard magazine sees that we are at light. We're at light for a reason. And that is because it is all about the women and their stories. And the movement is what is going to keep everyone talking about women and what we do in this space not just for industry, those who are just not even thinking about licensure, they're just thinking about healing and health and, and wellness within their home and within their pathways. Um, this is a, a movement. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than any individual person. It's about all women. And so this merchandise is just something to help press the movement forward. Well, congratulations on your merchandise line and its release. And I can't wait a, to see it and to share the details. So thank you. I want to just switch gears a little bit and ask you a fun question I like to ask our guests. If someone were to gift you with an ounce of the finest weed, the finest cultivar strain, what would it be? And what would you do with it? Because it's an ounce. All right. So it's an ounce of what? Just a strain that I absolutely love. Tell us what the strain is that you absolutely love and what you would do with it. Um, I really do enjoy um, Blue Dream and all of its derivatives because we know that it's it's been up and down. But I just I love that smell. I love it. Love it. Love it. Um, and I, you know, I'm actually going to 50, 50 it because there's a gelato that I love so much, but so something along the lines of that, and what would I do with it? Well, of course I'm going to smoke some of it. Um, and then I'm going to cook with some of it because I am all about health and wellness coming directly from my kitchen for my family. And cannabis has always been a part of that. Um, so I definitely know that, uh, cooking is going to be, involved there. Um, and then I think the other thing that I, I typically do with cannabis is, uh, is tea. I, I just really, really enjoy tea. So, uh, kind of making little mixtures and involving, uh, cannabis THC or CBD and, uh, having something to sip on is always wonderful. Sounds really good. And I love the scene you set for us. So I could, and I, cause I could picture it completely. <laughs> Thank you for that. Before I let you go today, could you tell our listeners, Tiffany, one more time where they could find you on social media? Absolutely. On um, Instagram, I am Vanguard underscore media underscore online on Facebook. It's at Vanguard media online. And you can always find me on Twitter at underscore Vanguard media. And of course, the website, www.vanguardmediaonline.com. Thank you so much for sharing your journey, your passions, and, and your life with us, your cannabis life with us, I should say. <laughs> and I really appreciate talking to you. So I wish you well and stay lifted. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the Miss Weed Wiki podcast. And we thank you for your support.